This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that honors the dead by sharing their stories with the living. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at the story of Ham, the world's first astrochimp. His life contributed greatly to the future of manned spaceflight, but it also highlighted the moral neglect that sometimes results from human science. The day was January 31st, 1961. A specially trained chimpanzee named Ham became the first primate to travel into space. Ham left the Earth's atmosphere a full ten weeks before the first human, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, and three months before the first American astronaut, Alan Shepard. Ham's flight confirmed that the U.S. space program was ready to take that next step of sending a human into space and returning them safely to Earth. It's important to note, though, that while Alan Shepard readily volunteered for his mission, Ham the chimpanzee did not. Born in West Africa, in what was then the French Cameroons, Ham was captured by poachers in 1957. In order to kidnap a baby chimpanzee from its community, the trappers would have had to kill Ham's mother, along with most, if not all, of the other adults in the group, a massacre that Ham would have witnessed firsthand. After his capture, the young chimp was taken to a facility in Florida called the Miami Rare Bird Farm. Two years later, he was sold to the U.S. Air Force to be trained for spaceflight as part of Project Mercury. He was transferred to the Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, New Mexico. At the time, the chimp was known as Chang, or as Subject Number 65, but he would later be renamed Ham by his handlers. Although it sounds like an affectionate nickname, it's actually just an acronym for Holloman Aero Medical, the research laboratory where he and 39 other young chimps were trained. For the next year and a half, Ham and the others took part in what was casually referred to as the School for Space Chimps. Once again, the cutesy name belied the harsher reality of the program. Ham and the other subjects were routinely restrained in chairs in order to habituate them to long periods of confinement in a cramped space capsule. Some of the U.S. Air Force's methods for this included straitjackets, neck rings, and four-limb restraints. The purpose of their mission, according to a NASA press release, was to test the life support system of the spacecraft and to confirm that chimps, and by extension, humans, could still perform motor tasks while in space. To test this, Ham and the other chimps were trained to operate levers when prompted by corresponding flashing lights. If the chimps pulled a lever within five seconds of the light flashing, they received a banana-flavored pellet as a reward. If they did not pull the lever in time, they received an electric shock on the soles of their feet. The chimps were also exposed to simulated g-forces and microgravity to prepare them for the rigors of spaceflight, just like human astronauts. 
After 18 months of this abusive training, Ham and five other promising primates were flown to Cape Canaveral in Florida in preparation for the experimental flight. With just a few days left before the launch, Ham was finally selected as the not-so-lucky chimpanzee whose life would be put on the line for science. Early on the morning of January 31, 1961, Ham was dressed in a diaper, waterproof pants, and a spacesuit. He was then strapped into a container called a couch cabin and loaded into the nose cone of the Mercury R2 rocket. After six hours of waiting on the launch pad at Cape Canaveral, the three-and-a-half-year-old chimpanzee was propelled into space at a speed of approximately 5,800 miles per hour. His flight, which lasted approximately 16 and a half minutes, took him to a height of 157 miles above the Earth, at which point he experienced roughly six and a half minutes of weightlessness. Throughout the flight, NASA technicians on the ground monitored Ham's vitals through a series of sensors fitted to his body. They also recorded his reaction times to see if he pulled the levers any slower in space than he had on Earth. Despite the stress and confusion of Ham's situation, he performed the tasks well, reacting only slightly slower in zero gravity. During Ham's descent, a system malfunction led the capsule to overheat and plummet into the Atlantic Ocean, more than 100 miles off course from its intended target. After splashdown, Ham's capsule began taking on water, but fortunately the chimp was rescued by helicopter, alive and relatively well. When he was finally released from his couch cabin, Ham had an expression on his face that looked like a grin. The press eagerly reported on this supposed smile, referring to him as a, quote, frisky space traveler, one who seemed to have enjoyed his trip. However, the expression interpreted as a happy smile was actually what's called a fear grimace. In fact, when renowned primatologist Dr. Jane Goodall first saw the footage of Ham recorded during his flight and the photographs taken upon the recovery of his capsule, she said she had, quote, never seen such terror on a chimp's face. That fear was displayed again shortly after Ham was recovered from the water. Photographers wanted more pictures of him inside his couch, but the chimp refused to re-enter the capsule. As the cameras rolled, four adult men tried to force him back inside, but were unsuccessful. Ham became an overnight celebrity and was featured in countless articles and on many TV shows. Newsreels and documentaries were made about him, but the full truth about his traumatized expression and agitated behavior wasn't covered in the media. If there's a silver lining to Ham's ordeal, it's that he wasn't subjected to decades of biomedical research following his trip to space. Although, that doesn't mean he had a happy retirement either. In 1963, Ham was transferred to the National Zoo, where, despite the highly social nature of his species, he was forced to live in isolation for 17 years. Finally, in 1980, Ham was sent to the North Carolina Zoo, where he was allowed to share a habitat with a small colony of other chimps. Despite these improved conditions, Ham died just three years later, at the age of 26, roughly half the life expectancy of a captive chimpanzee. Following his death, 
there was talk of preserving Ham in the Great Ape House at the Smithsonian National Zoo, or perhaps putting his body on display at the Air and Space Museum. The Washington Post condemned the idea, writing, quote, Talk about death without dignity. Talk about dreadful precedents. It should be enough to make any space veteran more than a little nervous about how he is going to be treated in the posthumous by and by. In response to this kind of pushback, the U.S. Air Force agreed to a more humane approach. They buried Ham's soft tissue and hide at the International Space Hall of Fame in Alamogordo, New Mexico. However, his skeleton was kept due to its intrinsic scientific value. Today, it's kept in a drawer behind the scenes at the National Museum of Health and Medicine in Washington, D.C. Ham's trip into space was a momentous occasion. It settled concerns about the safety of suborbital flight and paved the way for the first humans in space. It was also a remarkable demonstration of the intelligence and aptitude of the chimpanzee species. Because, don't forget, Ham was just three and a half years old at the time of his flight. If he hadn't been ripped from his mother, he would have still been nursing at that age. It was basically like shooting a human toddler into space, except they wouldn't have done as well with the levers. It's tempting to anthropomorphize Ham the chimpanzee, to consider the challenge of his task, the danger he endured, the fear he experienced, and then to lionize him for it, as we would a human. But I think it's more respectful to not do that, to not pretend that he was something he wasn't. Ham was a baby. He was an animal that was treated like an object, a means to our ends. He was not humanity's hero. He was our victim. And the sooner we own up to that past exploitation, the less likely we'll be to accept more of the same in the future. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me directly at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.